This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Thomas, he couldn't handle the puck. Then it comes into the slot for Letty. Fell right onto his stick. His shot was stopped by Martin. Rebound, right circle. They score. Jordan Cairo off the broken play. Fires it into the top corner. Cairo, side of the goal, Tarasenko. Back to Cairo in the slot. He scores. Jordan Cairo has his second of the night and 15th of the season as the Blues get an early third period power play goal to take a 4-1 lead. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Tarasenko trying to pass, blocked by Joshua, comes back to Tarasenko, right circle, Thomas, over to the far side, it's whipped into the open goal by Jordan Cairo for the hat trick. The Blues add another one to make it 5-1. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose on home ice 5-1 yet again. Fifth time this season the Canucks have lost 5-1 on home ice, and this time against one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. An embarrassing performance yet again in front of the hometown fans. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar, and as always, we have our good friend Randeep Janda joining us here on the Post Game Show. And get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You know, I can understand you lose games sometimes. It happens. And, heck, we said that a lot about this team so far this year. And, you know, there was a time where they were losing so many games with so many leads that it was just find a way to get a result one way or another. Pick up points. Pick up points. And, sure, they have picked up some points. But the way they're playing at home ice continually this season, I mean, it it goes beyond being unacceptable. It's frustrating on many fronts, guys, because I think when you look at the first 10 minutes of this game, first 10 minutes actually did some pretty good things. And sure, St. Louis maybe wasn't ready to play in the opening 10, but you saw a little bit of physical play. You saw aggressive forecheck, but that was it. That was really it. And we're not talking about a team that in St. Louis that is amongst the best. You started off this conversation saying, hey, they struggled this year. And I know they're in a winning streak now, but they came in here and they had a pretty easy night. Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo did their thing. Jordan Cairo gets a hat trick, but the room to operate, the details on the defensive side of the game, just not there for the Vancouver Canucks. So, Zat, when you'll watch that, you know, that game play out, St. Louis, that was a that was a comfortable game for them. And they're not an elite team. They're not the 2019 St. Louis Blues anymore, but they look comfortable for, I would say, 45 minutes of this game. Mm-hmm. Way too comfortable. I mean, but like, hey. But like, it's what we keep saying. They don't make it hard for anyone to yeah. play them, let alone on the road or at, at home ice. They just genuinely don't make it tough. Well, if you're if you're so comfortable yourself being a below-average hockey team, how are you going to make it uncomfortable for somebody else? And that's where Ethan Bear's comments come in, right? The ones that he made to Ian McIntyre about, hey, having fun. Uh, it's Losing's not supposed to be fun, right? You're supposed to hate losing. And I'm sure there's a lot of guys in that rock locker room that do hate it, but you got to do something about it on the ice. And, and they didn't tonight. There was one moment from Ilya Mikheyev that looked like it could have been a spark. And what happens? 30 seconds later, St. Louis goes back the other way. Nathan Walker scores. And that's the game. After that, they couldn't recover. It's, it's tough to see, especially when you're, when you're talking about you know, the defensive side of things where the details weren't there, Vic. And, and, and why it's even more frustrating at home, too, you're not giving the fans their money's worth. Definitely not. On, on, a not night, close. on a night where it's challenging to get to the rink because of the weather and it's cold. Yeah. Another 5-1 loss where the result after 
35 minutes kind of looked already written. That's what's like that's what's annoying about losing on home ice. You know, we've, we've said and you've heard the phrase, if you're going to lose, lose on the road. Why it's frustrating at home? It's because you're doing it in front of your fans. Well, you are, and you know, you know what's even more frustrating? The Canucks have been getting support on home ice. The Canucks have had some one of the best attendance percentages in the league this yep. season. They're a top five team in percentage of tickets sold relative to what they have. I mean, they're close to 99% every game. Not sold out completely, but close to it. And no team in the league right now, essentially no team in the league outside of a couple, are selling out every game. So the support's been there, and... It's the Canucks, them, the players on the ice not living up to their end of the bargain. And it's one thing to be, okay, like, you're not a good hockey team this year. We can all accept that. It's proven you're not good. But you shouldn't be this bad in front of your home fans. You shouldn't be this far below 500 in your home games. And that's where it becomes a bit of a slap to the face to the, to the people that show up to watch this team. I mean, you don't have a better effort in you than what we've been seeing here, losing the way they've been losing these games? Five home wins and five losses this year by the score of 5-1. Which uh, is now an NHL record. And we're, we're not that far into the season yet. So when you talk about effort, and that's where the key is. When this game is 3-1, when this game is, you know, there's, there's still a chance. At the beginning of the third period, when there's one minute and 23 seconds left on that PK, you know how important that first two minutes of the period is going to be. And they can't get that kill. Guys, this is a 30th-ranked road power play in the league we're talking about, the St. Louis Blues. We're not talking about a an elite top-five power play. And there was no confidence. There was no really, I think, will there to really, you know, be engaged and be physical and stand up for yourself after that after it became 3-1. And that's I think that's frustrating. When you talk about effort, when you talk about having a little bit of pushback, that's what was frustrating about tonight is because you're playing a team that is, at best, probably a fringe playoff team, at best right now, and you let them walk all over you. I just don't understand what the motivation is. Like, even if your motivation is, I'm in the NHL and I want to get paid, like, I can even understand that. How many of these performances are, are earning you massive contracts? That's the thing, right? Like, yeah. like, what is your motivation? And where is it? And why do we keep having to have this conversation of how do you get motivated yourself? Yeah. It's stunning. And, you know, the fear we always have at times, it's like, oh, the fans going to have apathy. Tell me the players don't have apathy. Well, that's the thing. Tell me these these guys come out every single night and don't have apathy on their effort. And how is it supposed to resonate with any of the fans to not have apathy if they can't jump up every once in a while? Listen, that's fair, and that's a valid point. The, every time I watch this team play against experienced teams, it seems like there's individuals versus a team game. And in that third period, that was telling to me where you had Kuzmenko trying to start something on his own, and credit to him, he was trying to do something. But when a St. Louis team was coming through the neutral zone, guys, with speed, they were still pushing the pace in their own way. You had Nathan Walker, who's a guy that has been a, a depth forward in the NHL. He was skating through, and they were, they were clicking. The defensemen were getting the puck to him on the right-hand side, and he was flying down the ice. He scored a goal. But there was a team game going there where St. Louis actually looked like all right, they might not be the team of two or three years ago, but their details are still half-decent when they're playing okay. The Canucks look like individuals tonight. And, and experience is a great word for it, too, and we see that trend. And I, I, I was talking to Batch today on the show, uh, People's Show. 
we can give the benefit of doubt to the St. Louis Blues, who have had their struggles this season. They're by no means one of the juggernauts in the NHL, but they've won a cup. Yes. And you can say, you know what, you're 500, it's December. Yep. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt, see if you can figure this out by February. Because we've seen proof of concept of what that looks like. Now, they also had to come from deep depths during the regular season, but we've seen that they can switch on and be engaged in all the right areas of the ice and all the right ways to play this game. You can't extend that benefit of the doubt to the Vancouver Canucks at any point over the last two seasons, and especially right now, to the point where it's like, you can kind of joke, it's like, oh, well, they got to get re-engaged. Have a players-only meeting. What is that going to do? You did that three games into the season. There is really nothing at this stage you can look at and say, oh, this is the tweak. And we've mentioned this, that Bruce Boudreau, can he do something? We've said this time and time again. At this stage, after this many changes... It's on 23 guys in the room. Mm-hmm. And even, even within games, guys. Like, we saw Kyle Burrows late in this game try to do something. We saw Luke Shen be physical with players. But that's always as an individual trying to drag others into the fight. This collective group needs to have that mentality. One or two guys isn't going to change that. No, I mean, I'm not going to have another rant about needing somebody to drag you into the fight. Because Way too late for that. <laughs> well, and, and we got to drag you into the fight for that take. Yeah, exactly. You do have to drag me out. I, I'm complacent right now when it comes to my criticism. <laughs> but... But, but, I mean, I'd love to sit here and, and talk about, hey, you know what? Like, there are ways out of this. It's, an ir- it's, it's you know, 32, 31 games into the season. There's still, still over 50 to go. And as you're only a couple games under 500, that's an easy take to have. But it's completely disingenuous. It's not based in any sort of logic or reasoning. Well, there are ways out of this in the big picture. Well, no, no, like, there, no, there, years down the sure. road. As far as this season... But if you're yeah this season yeah. yeah but this season if you're looking at this season and saying I believe outside of blind faith and outside of taking a leap of faith and if you're a fan go ahead I mean you can the whole thing of being a fan is taking leaps of faith with your franchise yeah. or in a favorite hockey team or any sport that you like and that's fine you're a fan you, you can blindly follow along as far as trying to analyze this and as far as trying to project what's happening what have they done well this season guys that's been sustainable that you can look at and say you know what. They're going to get on the right track. Outside of you guessing that that's going to happen and just blindly hoping it's going to happen, there is nothing, not a single thing that's tangible that suggests this team is going to turn it around. It comes down to the details, and they don't have those down. Good teams, even mediocre teams, if they are in a position to you know go back to those good habits that they formed, you can say, all right, you're going to grind a couple of games. Later. You might not look great, but yeah. you have those details down. Going back to preseason, and Jim Rutherford as much admitted that that they weren't happy with that preseason. Those good habits hadn't been formed, and we're seeing that until now. So when you talk about outside a leap of faith, what evidence is there other than a hot power play, which was 0-4 tonight? Yeah, there's not much to really lean on right now to say this is this is a team that can be a serious contender in any which way around the playoffs, right? And and that's where the details aspect of it really is the tell here when they play teams that are experienced that have those details in their dna or have the ability to do so or yeah, yeah or have the ability to lean on some of those you know, that structured game guess what happens they lose yeah and it's usually not very close no i know and i mean as far as what's going to happen trades wise we talked about this there's nothing imminent no shoe is about to drop as far as a trade in the new year, perhaps we'll see. These performances, though, and I'm not suggesting the coach should get fired. 
I don't know, man. Like, you play like this in front of your home fans, and you can't make trades. Sometimes something has to give. And I'm not saying it should give, but I'm asking the question. I'm wondering, are we going to get to that point now? And it's not Bruce's fault, because these guys have been doing the same thing under different head coaches, and the issue is clearly them. Yes, a flawed roster, a poorly constructed roster, and there are things that go beyond the individual players, but you can't look at, you, you can't look here, look me in the face, and tell me that there are a handful of players even on this team this season that are playing the right way. There's a couple of guys. Th- that's it. Yeah. So... It's not on the coach. Like, there's more. Like, these individuals have to bring it up. But when you're playing like this in front of your home fans and there's no sign of you getting out of it, like, what's going to give? Like, what are, the, what are you going to do? Because at some point, you've got to show your fans this isn't acceptable. And if you're not doing the coach or you're doing a trade, like, what are you doing to show that this can't continue? Yeah, and, and you don't have that goalie to save you this year, which they did last year, and that's kept them in the conversation. But you got Seattle coming up. you got Edmonton, which is going to be a tough game. I don't care who's in net for the Edmonton Oilers. And then beyond that... You know, you've got a San Jose team that you should beat, but at this point in time, we're not giving the benefit of the doubt to the Canucks. They have to improve in, you know, every level of this game right now. And so, sad to you, you know, to the point you're saying, yeah, the coach is something that will come up. When this is a couple of nights in a row now that it's it's been an embarrassing losses. Mm-hmm. It has, right? When the third period, other than that Burroughs moment, you're looking around saying, okay, where's where's the fight? Second period. Once it starts to unravel, you're asking, where's the fight? Yeah. Where's the pushback? Yeah, usually something has to happen. We're talking about December. Maybe when they get the Christmas break, that's a chance to re-energize. But yet again, we're not giving the benefit of the doubt to a team that hasn't been able to produce. So what is that shoe to drop? I'm not sure if that's coming here or if that's going to be in the news, you know, in the new year. But you do have to wonder, okay, what's it going to take for A, either management to, you know, look at the situation, or for these players to internally look and say, we got to be better than this. Uh, This is something that I know it hasn't happened yet. I know there's probably people yelling at their radio, but that's, that's what you have to look at. Because if you're looking at trades, I don't, I don't think it would be smart by management just to make a trade for the sake of making a trade. That's how you lose trades at times, too, yeah. when, you're, when you make those desperate moves, guys. Well, is this not what tanking looks like, though? No, hey, that's fine. I mean, if, if you want to tank, no, that's I, fine. No, I'm just saying, like, if, if they didn't make changes, yeah. which, to be honest, like, I, I've sat here and said they're probably not going to let go of Bruce mm-hmm. until later on in the year at, the, at, at its earliest. Well, they don't want to. Yeah. I mean, they haven't wanted to. They don't want to be firing more coaches and – Pay more guys, not the coach here. So even if you're the tankist, I'm going to use that word again. I know some people liked that the other day. You don't make changes when a team is losing. Like if, if you, if we can't handle five five one losses on home ice, what do you think tanking looks like? Tanking yeah. is worse than this, but, but it's it's building to a bigger. But it's also direction. Platform? If if you tell fans yes. that hey yeah. we don't believe anymore, like. But if you tell fans we think we're this, we're that, sure. then it's like, wait, where's the disconnect here? Like, what are you selling me? Like, I can accept that if I yes. know what the track we're taking, the, the road we're on. The direction is the most important thing. I get thing that. I, like, I, I totally understand it. But, like, this is what losing looks like. No, that's true. I don't disagree with that. That's what you're inviting. Yeah. Well, you, and, uh, hey, you got to take it. Like, if you want to rebuild, yeah. and you yeah. want like this, it'll be like this for a couple of years. And that's fine. You have to accept it, though, but, but no crying about it. But then people that want the plan, I'm not calling them out or anything. It's like, you're kind of getting what you want right now. Yeah. Albeit, it's, it's like, hey, they're spending all this money and they, they sold promises. Okay, but you're getting what you want right now. Well, you are. I mean, you know, as far as, you know, what was happening here tonight, and, pe- and people were texting in, so just say it. It all starts at ownership, hashtag sell the team. I mean, some fans were chanting that tonight. And we you heard that. You know, we heard it in the broadcast. Those things are there. I mean, fans feel a certain way, but you can't, I mean... 
the owner of the team decides what they want to do with the team yeah. as far as owning it or not. But that's what fans were saying tonight. And until the direction becomes clear, whether that's you come out and do the statement the Rangers did, or you go out and make the trades that, that show the direction that you're taking a bit of a step back, then it's going to be a disconnect between what people are seeing and what the expectation was coming into this season. And until that changes, then people are just frustrated. And that's why ownership's taking it, management's taking it. I mean, management, for a new management team, they're taking almost as much heat as Benning was taking last year. I mean, it's not quite at that level, but there's a lot of vitriol being sent towards management. And you also hear it towards ownership. But until that direction becomes clear, either by action or by statement, then I think that anger and resentment is going to keep building up. No, the key word here in this city and this fan base is direction. Hey, Vic, to your point, losing is something that I think some folks in this city, a lot of folks by what we hear, is, you know, they wouldn't be understanding where it's heading is is really important here where, guys, you know, looking at the direction of the organization right now, that's the key. I think knowing whether it's, all right, retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call the word, or the assumption right now is the losses are coming and there's, they're still going for it. They're still in it to win it, right? And that's where the frustration is. So I, I'm with you, Sad. I think direction is important because what you see on a night-to-night basis in, you know, especially a Rogers Arena, it's it's not a winning style of hockey. It's not a, a winning recipe. And therefore, if you've committed that many dollars to what's going on right now, of course people are going to want change. It, you want a better product than that. And the last two games especially, when two pretty veteran, experienced teams come into this building – and take your lunch money, nobody feels good about that. Yeah. No, you don't. And, you know, what's the way out of this? Well, we're going to find out and see if they actually make any moves and if they do find it through this season, which looks increasingly less likely. Randy, great stuff calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor. Well, we'll be back at it again coming up on Thursday. So go get your rest. Cheers, boys. Have a good one. All right. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. We are going to hit the phone boards coming up momentarily. So hold on to your phone lines. Full phone board. And, People are fired up. We're going to give you a chance to vent and give your takes after the Canucks lose yet again. 5-1 on home ice against the St. Louis Blues. And pick the text inbox, 650-650. I'll get it going here, but a lot of anger. Lose hard for Bedard is one. Uh, no direction is in the other text here. Um, <laughs> this one says, Randy, we can still stomach this losing when they actually start rebuilding. We aren't. We signed JT Miller. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, it, it comes down to people don't have a clear don't have a clear idea what the vision and plan is. Now, we can sit here and say they've said all these things, but it hasn't sunk in yet. And until that sunk, sinks in and people get it and understand it or believe in it, there's going to be a lot of resentment as we're seeing, a lot of skepticism. Because, again, when you're hearing retool, when you're hearing we got to find guys who are 21, 22, you're starting to get flashbacks of what was being said the previous regime. They said the same similar things mm-hmm. in similar ways. And, again, I'm not saying that the execution is going to be the same, but I can understand why the association yes. mentally for people is like, uh-oh, what's going on here? You know, so, so I can understand it, but I don't think we're in the same boat. Because that was giving up draft picks and assets for fringe prospects who you decided to give an opportunity to. You can call it whatever you want. We've, ha- we've sat here and had this conversation, sat, trade this guy, buy out this guy, move this guy. You can call it whatever you want. I don't even care about labels. Some of this stuff is going to happen no matter what. You can choose to define it however you want. Yeah. Trading Bo Horvat, trading 
Connor Garland, trading Brock Besser, buying out OEL. I, I don't care if you call that retool, you call that rebuild. Generally don't. Just make just make, just enough make moves. the decisions. Yeah. And just don't make dumb ones. And I still think I know this is impossible to hear. I still think the time is at a later date. And it just means for here and here here and now, that's why I talk about holding pattern. Yeah. This is what it's gonna look like for the next six weeks, two months. I'm okay with that because it incentivizes you to make the long-term change. When they should make the long-term change. And, and whether it's an actual rebuild or retool, what I think they need to do is make five significant moves mm-hmm. or moving five significant players. Obviously, we know what's going on with Myers. You're trying to rectify that situation in the offseason. You see what you want to do here with Henry Pearson. Those are two guys that I think you have to try to do something, especially coming up next year with. And then we're starting looking at you have Bo Horvat, you have Garland, you have Besser. Those three guys... And then we're also kind of looking at, you know, potentially a guy like Luke Shen that can bring you something. Mm-hmm. I think by the end of this season, Bick, or by the time we get to the end of the next off season, you're going to have to have moved five of those guys. And if you do those five things and get some assets back in return and clear some cap space, that's significant. That can get you back on track and do some things. But unless you do that, I think it's going to be hard for this organization to be able to significantly take a step forward. Because it's not going to be bring Bo back and trade Connor Garland and next year come back and only Myers is the guy you move out. Like Those two moves don't do enough. There has to be more than that. And I hope there's going to be more than that. I think there's going to be more than that. The question is, can you execute more than that? All right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into the text inbox, 650-650. Let's go to the phone boards and let's start off in Coquitlam where, where our friend Paul is on the line. Paul, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, gentlemen. Um, so I want to go back to these terrible performances on home ice because I, I don't think people fully appreciate just how horrible this is. So mm. I went back, and most people would agree the worst teams in NHL history are the 92 93 Ottawa Senators expansion team and the 74 75 Washington Capitals, right? Both teams struggled to even get a win, they were, they were terrible. They got blown out fewer times in their first 20 games of their inaugural season than the Canucks have. Canucks have got blown out five times in 15 games. I mean, shameful is not even the right adjective for that. I mean, that is, that is beyond my vocabulary. Uh, and so I just want to lay that out, first of all. Mm-hmm. And secondly, w- Where's Aquilini in all this? I mean, this is his product. This is his company. You know, he's laying out this entertainment product or so-called entertainment product for his customers who are paying a lot of money to consume his company's product. And he's AWOL, right? The last thing he tweeted was, what, two months ago where he congratulated himself on the wonderful Rogers deal that they got. I mean, if I were him, I'd be holding a press conference and apologizing to his organization's customers for the absolute garbage that that organization is rolling out game after game after game. So anyway, you can tell I'm pretty ticked off tonight, but just wanted to lay that out there. Yeah. Yay. Paul, thanks for the phone call, man. And you know what? Like, I, I totally understand what he's saying. And like, it, it is getting worse. A lot of how they've played has gotten worse. And one of the things I was worried about when we talked about this when they were losing all those leads, I'm like, hey, when you start losing that many multi-goal leads, they don't just come back. Those are games you should be banking. 
Like there are certain games that hey, you lose a tough game, you played well, you lost by a goal or two, but you deserve better. Usually they even out. You know what doesn't even out? You losing games that are money in the bag. Because those are the ones that don't come back to you. They're gone. So, like, you could actually make the case the Canucks are playing their best hockey, not taking advantage of it, and since then they've continually been getting worse. And in a lot of ways they have. Like, if you look at their differentials, it hasn't improved. They're getting blown out on home ice. It wasn't happening earlier to, to the same degree. Like, it's it's not a good trend. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty troubling trend to see it get worse. We, we always say, oh, it's so hard to score goals in this league. So the toughest things to do eventually will dry up. Yeah. And constantly putting yourself under the strain to put up five, six goals, it's going to catch up to you. And right now, it's catching up to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, back-to-back 5-1 losses. Again, it was a 3 nothing loss the other day. And they had to exert a ton of energy just to beat Arizona, yeah. San Jose, and Montreal. Yeah. And suddenly, you play te- a few teams that play with much better uh, discipline. Opportunities to bury the puck uh, have dried up alongside it, too. And w- when you don't play on the right side of the puck and you don't play smart in the defensive zone, you're making things easy. And, yeah. and it's what we started this postgame show talking about. You make things easy for the opposition to do the toughest thing, and that's score goals. Jordan Cairo had so many. Like He, he probably should have got the hat trick in the second period, let alone late in the third. Yeah. No, 100%. And, I mean, and you know, the Blues were a team that had won three in a row coming into this game. Now they won four, right? I think, believe, or have they won? Is that their fifth straight win? Regardless, this is a team that have been trending in the right direction. They've been playing a lot better recently, at least. I believe it was their but fourth straight, it's fourth, fourth yeah, straight victory. So they played a bit better recently. But they're not a team that's been great. And mind you, they've done that in Edmonton, in Calgary, in Vancouver. Yeah. On that West, West Coast road trip. They've come in and won all three games. Yeah. They're going to Seattle tomorrow, but. They're finding a way to get out of it, at least. But they haven't been a great hockey team. And the Canucks weren't even close, really, tonight, outside of the first period. You know, it was scoreless midway And really, that's the like the 12 minutes in the first period. Yeah, and that was pretty much it. And the tide really turned in the second. Man, uh, we have a lot of reaction on text inbox, as always. Ramon says, you guys have been saying for two years, Raymond's been saying for you guys have been saying for two years, uh, a later date. Well, I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to say about guys like T- t- uh, Tyler Myers and Tanner Pearson. Like everybody talks about these guys being overpaid and not being good enough. Then how are you supposed to trade them when they're overpaid and not good enough if you're trying to get cap space? See this car that has three wheels? Take it from me. Right? Like- yeah. No, and okay, you get to the end of its tenure and you're like, okay, now there's less money left on it, like the Myers one. That's why it becomes more palatable. People keep saying the Canucks, this Canucks team is, is riddled with bad contracts that are hard to move. They're hard to move. That's what it means. They are hard to move. Can we... Is there a possibility, like this text here says, the Canucks missed their uh, opportunity last deadline and this past offseason to make moves? And fair take, was there something available to them, even for a lesser price they said no to, that they now can't even get? And maybe that's something they passed, whether it was Garland or Besser. That's a fair question, and, and maybe that's something you can criticize them for. But even like if you're talking about the guys people want off this roster, they're essentially untradeable until their contracts are less onerous. And that starts happening once you get into this summer. That's just the reality of certain players in this team. But again, should you have done something with Besser or Garland and you missed that boat? That's a fair criticism. You know, people say JT should have traded him, but I've always maintained you shouldn't be holding on to JT and Bo. I'm for trading both, but hold on to one. And if you sign in one trade, the other one. So, like, part of the issue here is, which it takes a long time to get rid of those bad deals, is because people don't want a bad contracts off their hands. Like, you got to be patient to get the bad money off your books. That's just the reality. 
we've detailed this as well with Tyler Myers. There's a signing bonus that kicks in next season, which is $5 million. The timing of that up for debate, I, I believe you've talked about it being cashed out in September. Yeah. So you you got to wait that out because what team is going to take on that contract when they know, hey, I can get Tyler Myers for a million dollars real cash. Yeah. And if you retain half, I'll give you a little bit more if it's only $500,000 of real cash with a cap it of $3 million. So why why would you give something up today to get rid of that contract when you get something back in return tomorrow? To Unless you're being incentivized. Exactly. And so what does $6 million cost in the NHL? First, first round, round pick. pick. Are you trading a first round pick to get off that money? You're probably not. So you're waiting for it. Again, that's there the waiting the game. the that this team is this management yeah. group has been placed on it, again it's not even just so much that the the contracts are bad it's the cash flow that has made them worse yes that's the problem right now 100% uh, Gary Norchor says you guys are making excuses for a team that's not run well as a fan disappointed that they don't have a structure to tell the public their direction I mean they've told their direction people don't like what they've been ho- told about the direction we want to Mm-hmm. Turn this around in a couple of years. We're not going to rebuild, but we're going to try to retool this. We may have to take a bit of a step back before we make those moves. But it hasn't been a convincing sell because they haven't done the action to come alongside of it. And yeah, we're not saying they're doing great, but they have to start making some moves and doing something. And the question is, when does that start happening? All right, let's go back to the phone boards here. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, let's go to Burnaby where Brian is on the line. Brian, thanks for calling in. Now, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. Um, I just wanted to um, bring up, uh, I guess, the most um, owner's contract um, of them all. And... Um, uh, is my personal opinion that um, we uh, ownership should just eat the cost of an OEL buyout, especially if this team doesn't plan on rebuilding? Because if you think about it, they, I mean they're they're the ones who you know gave Benning to the green light to make to make the trade with it, with Arizona to you know mortgage more of the future for win now pieces. Like you know they they didn't they didn't have to do that. They could have. They could have, you know, they could have just got gotten rid of the previous regime then, and like av- avoided this whole this this whole fiasco of be of of um you know prolonged you know being capped out and all the, all that sort of stuff. So you right. know, I don't really I don't really subscribe to the idea, uh, you know, of you know owner oh, oh ownership doesn't doesn't want to you know pay pay to pay to you know have guys like not not play for you. Like you guys took on that risk yourselves. It wasn't you know, the management team below you that, you know, tried to talk you into it. So I just wanted to get get my two cents on that out there. Thanks, guys. Hey, hey thanks for the phone call. Uh, uh, that is Brian call, calling in. And you know what? I, I'm there for it. Like, I completely agree. Like, you know, you've come out and said, hey, I'm part of it as well. I'm part of trying to make this better. Then, yeah. What are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go to rectify certain wrongs? I'm skeptical that they will fork over the money necessary to buy out Oliver ekman Larson. So it's $19 million is the cost Yeah. of total money. Yeah. We're talking about total money even on a buyout. There we go. Um, but, again, that's the thing I kind of look at as far as why the season has gone this way and, and why Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have been so patient on certain changes. It, it's something like this that I look at and say, Going to your owner and asking for $19 million to be bought out, that's a big card to play. It is. And I, I just 
I almost wonder if you come the building summer, up toward, yeah. like the reason you get into this spot of chaos and it's like, make a decision on the coach, hire a guy. They haven't even hired their first coach yet. No, and actually, if the way they're allocating their money this year, next year there's bonuses being paid a bit, but the way they're allocating money this year, they're paying less money in salaries this year than they were last year. So, like, like money, the, the way they're making their books, like, it's... It's a cleaner. It's it's a cleaner operation in that regard. Does that help their argument? I'm still skeptical, Bick. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's I, a lot of money. But but there is some logic into why 100%. you would do it this way. For sure, there's logic in it. What it does, and this is the thing I've advocated for. If you're gonna make the change, okay, or if you're gonna buy out OEL, it presents you with the rare opportunity to open up seven million dollars, and do you take on a one year bad contract and try to get a first round pick for that, whether yeah. it's 2024, whatever. Because because twenty twenty three picks might be hard to acquire with the the draft potentially as loaded as it is, but it's a rare opportunity to say, hey, we're gonna open up the OEL money and get a first round pick. Yeah, you can do that. Now there's a penalty down the road: two point three, four point seven, four four point seven, two point one two, two point one two, two point one two, two point one two cap hits all the way until thirty thirty one. But if the way you want to look at it and say how to in one year. Do I do, do I maneuver the money around that I get a bonus out of it? That would be that would be a very aggressive but strategic way to use that money for for you rather than it, it have is. it play against you. There's a lot of logic to it. It's just how much will do you have to execute it? All right. You know what, man? To win Stanley Cups, you better have a really uh, strong will. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I mean, and, and I think if that's one thing you want to do. As you know, as a sign of hey, we're really here. Our ambition is this. That's one way to do it. And I think then you can sh- people can t- look at it and say, hey, they're putting the money where their mouth is. You know, like hey, we're willing to eat this because this, this is a wrong we need to rectify. Would you rather see a buyout or new seats in the arena? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'll cost a pretty <laughs> penny, won't it? I don't know. All right, uh, we are going to get to head coach Bruce Boudreaux writing that audio right now. But take one more phone call and let's go to Jake and Langley. Jake, thanks for calling in. And what do you have for us? Hey, guys, thanks for uh, taking my call, and happy holidays for you guys. Uh, thanks that we're probably going to have a white Christmas this year. So that's, Yeah, man, Merry that's, Christmas. Yeah, so uh, honestly, there's nothing in my in my bones or in my body that believes that this is Jim Rutherford's fault. This is ownership. You can't tell me Jim Rutherford doesn't see what we're seeing, and he saw this last season when, uh, you know, the Canucks, even when they were winning, he went out and he talked about how bad our structure is and how bad – this team, the way they break out pucks. And then you had the whole JT Miller situation. You're telling me that that was a JT Miller signing because of Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvey? No, this was an ownership basically saying, you need to sign JT Miller. He's our guy. He's the one we want. He's the one we got to keep. He almost has 100 points. And again, this is all speculation, but you're telling me that Jim Rutherford has three Stanley Cups. He's been doing this for a long time. He sees what we see. Everybody sees that this team drastically needs a rebuild, a full rebuild. And yes, the attendance is great. You know, the attendance is really good right now. But if you keep losing 5-1 week after week after week, I'm curious what the attendance is going to be like in three months from now. Because I'm guaranteeing right now it's not going to be top five in the NHL. And that's all I really got to say, guys. Merry Christmas, and I hope you guys have a good show. Cheers. Hey, uh, Jake, thanks for the phone call. A lot of passion from Jake and Langley not buying it as far as who's in charge of making the decision for the JT Miller signing. All right, we'll get to more of your reaction on the phone boards and the text inbox. But before we do that, we are going to get to head coach Bruce Boudreaux. He is next as the Canuck Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thomas, right wing for Tarasenko. Stood up by Burroughs, but he keeps the puck. Tarasenko, trying to pass, blocked by Joshua. Comes back to Tarasenko, right circle. Thomas, over to the far side. It's whipped into the open goal by Jordan Cairo for the hat trick. The Blues add another one to make it 5-1 to one just before the midway mark of the third period. And Jordan Cairo is feeling it. Gets the hat trick in this game. Jordan Cairo, he got the hat trick. Canucks lose 5-1. On home ice against the St. Louis Blues, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. So the Vancouver Canucks lose 5-1 tonight. Where have we heard that before? Yes. On home ice. Yes. <laughs> we heard that a number of times. It's gone to a point where everybody's taking it right now. I mean, we heard chance at the end of the game. We've heard chance for Fire Benning. We've heard chance for Bruce Boudreau in a positive way. We've heard uh, chance of sell the team briefly tonight as well. Not, not everybody, however, is going after ownership. We had Jay calling in who was upset with ownership. Others have called out ownership tonight, calling in on the postgame show. This text says, hey, guys, you guys got to say this. Uh, you guys got to say this over the air. It's not ownership. Francesco has stayed out of everything. Just stop, people. Please stop. That's what uh, one person texted in. So, and Heather and Langley, the opposite. It's like you got to boycott the product. It's There's a lot of that sentiment as well coming in our inbox as There's well. a bit of everything coming into the inbox. So if you're asking for a pulse on uh, where the fan base is at, these are the discussions. These are the things that we're hearing from our fans on the text inbox and also calling in on the phone boards. And we'll get to more of your reaction, and we'll, and we'll analyze this a bit more, and, and we'll be here to talk you through it, as we always do with Canucks fans, and for more bad than good this season. Uh, and I want to clarify something that I said earlier, because I was saying, if you're a tankist, you're getting what you want. I understand they signed contracts in the summer, okay? Yes. I just meant if you wanted to force that conversation. Yes. They are losing. I, like, I understand that there was some investment made into the season. By no means was it all in or all that sort of stuff. They've handed out about $20 million of contracts on this cap book. But they are losing. And yeah. so if, if you wanted the, the trades for the, the futures and all that sort of stuff... If these sort of performances don't push that narrative more for management, and if those trades don't materialize come March 3rd, then yeah, I'm totally with you. But these sort of performances consistently getting blown out on home ice, force your hand in that. That's yes. what I was mentioning. Not yes. that they came into the season trying to tank. Of course. I mean, but I... they are losing. they got the seventh best lottery odds right now. They have some games in hand. Like Arizona sneakily can pass them soon. Hey, they have a game in hand and they're four points back. And with uh, Demko out for a while, if you make a couple of trades, if you do move Bo eventually, because hey, realistically, maybe just maybe. Like again, they are, and I use this term very loosely right now. They are competing. Yes. Okay? And again, I use that term loosely. They've won a bunch of games here recently, so this is the version of it going well. This is them on their run. Like so, I said the Canucks haven't done anything to to be tangibly better, but they have results on their side. There was a people, people have been pointing. It's like, hey, you guys saying they're they're bad and all this. They've won seven of their last ten. Give them respect. 
It was, Results it was, is what matters. It was 8-12. They've gone on a run here. Yeah. And now there's going to be another bad version of this, like the 0-7 start, where it's going to flip again, and this is team is going to be volatile. And what's going to happen is they're going to creep lower and lower and lower into the league standings, and they're going to probably, the way it's trending right now, Sat, they'll probably end up somewhere in the fourth or fifth lottery odds. Yeah. No, uh, it's trending in that direction. And I and I have been saying, hey, this team's probably not bad enough to be sub-500 this season. Well, the way they're playing, they're proved maybe you are with how you're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what's being dictated. All right, uh, we'll get to more analysis and more of your reaction coming up on the text inbox and the phone boards. But as promised, we talked about head coach Bruce Boudreaux and what he had to say tonight. And here he is, well, uh, bewildered yet again by another poor performance on home ice. Well, it's, you know, it's uh, uh, like Groundhog Day recently. I mean, um, I thought the first period we were good. Uh, when we tied it up, we were good. But once they got the, I think we're a fragile group, and once they got the second and third in quick succession, it was like, oh, no, here we go again. Um, and it seems like when we need that, that goal, we were getting it earlier on. You know what I mean? But, I mean, when we need that goal, the power play would come through, and the power play is not coming through right now, so it becomes harder. And then you press, and then they get odd man rushes, and then they score. Did you see some of the same issues from the game against Winnipeg? Well, well uh, I thought the effort was was better tonight, for the most part. And um, uh, but I mean, the mistakes. Uh, when we make a mistake, it's a ten bell mistake. It's not. Uh, uh, the puck bouncing over your stick, and then something happening. We're uh, we're doing stuff that you know. If you're there every day, you know we practice this stuff every day, and and uh, get better at it every day. And then in the game, it's like uh, our mind goes a little off when we're trying to do it all by ourselves a little bit. The coaches are supposed to have all the answers. We ask you all these questions after every game: why this and why that. But have you ever had a team as perplexing as as this one? Oh, I'm sure I have, but it's uh, you know, anytime you're not winning on a regular bl- uh, basis for coaches, it's it's perplexing, you know. But I mean, and um, I guess the biggest part is you can look like um, uh, champions one night, and then the next night you come back and you, you don't look like champions; you look like the opposite, and that's the most perplexing thing um, for me right now because I've seen the best of us. I've seen the worst of us, and uh, and I mean I know we're going to come out of this because we have in the past all the time, but uh, uh, it's hard going through it. Is it worse that it happens at home? It seems to happen at home more than on the road. Yeah, I mean it. It obviously, I mean we don't well, look at. I I hate being booed. Like I mean, in life you hate being booed, right? And and uh, you know they have the right to do it when they don't have uh, what they team is the success that they'd like to see and uh, so that that that's a hard pill to swallow but I mean um, you know we'd like to we'd love to be 41 and 0 at home and uh, and make it you know uh, tough for teams to come into this building and, and win but right now that's just not happening I mean there's still a lot of home games left and uh, we firmly believe that we'd much rather play at home than on the road, no matter what has happened in the last couple of weeks. But uh, uh, hopefully we'll dig ourselves out of this home rut, and, and, and if we can continue playing well on the road, then good things should happen. 
Bruce, you're a remarkably positive guy, and you say you will pull out of this. But what gives you that confidence? You're 31 games in, and the defense has been an issue pretty much every night. Well, uh, because it always has for me. That's why I'm I'm confident. I'm, you know, I mean, uh, as a coach, I've never had a losing season, so I just never think that we're going to lose. I think every game we start, we're going to win. I thought uh, going into the third period, if we scored one goal early, that we would win the game. And uh, uh, if you believe otherwise, then you have no chance of winning. I mean, if I don't believe that, uh, as you can see when I'm out here in a press conference here, that uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve, like if I'm not in a very good mood and unhappy, you can you can just look at me and see it. So, I mean, I can't go in there uh, and not be, um, you know, Believe me when I say I give them, you know, a lot of, you know, what, but uh, um, a lot of time. So it's not all uh, rainbows and and everything else. It's, but I got to believe. I got to make them think that they can win. Or if they don't think they can win, then there's no chance of us ever winning. I know you're mindful of where you are in the standings. You tell us that a fair bit. You watch everything that goes on around you. You haven't played much in the last two weeks, and so just the one win. Mm-hmm. You're seven points back of the, the playoff part now. How daunting is that? Well, it's daunting, but I mean, uh, at the same time, if we had a one tonight, we'd be tied with St. Louis. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, there's, you know, Nashville's uh, had lost six in a row before tonight's game, and there's teams that go through these things. And and I know when I took over, we were a lot more than seven points back uh, the last time. So uh, it's, it's it's getting healthy is going to help. And uh, getting healthy and, and hopefully going on a run of more than three games would, would be the ideal situation. Not having Patterson is a pretty big hole to fill, isn't it? I'm glad you see that. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, one of the best players in the league. And, and you could tell just even on the power play, even though he doesn't have the most power play points, he is such a, a threat that people, you know, uh, they really have to watch him on that side. When you take him away from there, it makes it an awful lot easier to just to cover the other guys. So, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a big miss. There's no doubt. Do you have a feel yet for when you might have him back? At I, you know, I'm hoping uh, that uh, it probably won't be tomorrow, but the next day I'm hoping he's at practice. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, but we've got to wait till he gets better. You know, I mean, and, and it's not a COVID thing. It's a, it's another, you know, a sickness, whether it's the flu or, or what have you. But once he gets over, I mean, he'll be the first one that wants to come to the rink. What happened on the too many men? Did, did somebody jump early? Or? Well, what happened is I think the defense for sure thought that uh, we had a three-on-two going the other way, that we would get it in deep. And when you don't get it in and you – because it's a natural, you're not even thinking, you're just changing because you think the puck's going to be in their zone, and then they they uh, intercept it or deflect it, and it comes right on your stick. It's... Uh, that is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau after a 5-1 loss on home ice against the St. Louis Blues. And, you know, he, he didn't really have answers again about what he's seeing here. And he said, hey, I've... You know, I've, I've said a lot of bad things to these guys as well. And, you know, I can't hide how I'm feeling, but I want them to have some sort of confidence. It sounds like a coach who doesn't really know what else to do. And I'm not saying that being critical of Boudreaux necessarily. Just, I don't know what else he can do. How many cards did he play last year? A ton. And how many did he play to begin the year? A, a lot. Ton. Like, he's through. He's done. Like, he's, the he's, deck is empty. Yeah, he's back to replaying the same cards again. Which, again, if you just want to... 
wait this timeline out. Okay, like again, I'm fine with that. If you just want to dry this out and keep seeing what it looks like six weeks from now, I, I honestly have no problem with that idea. <laughs> I know uh, a regular tweeter for us, uh, five Canucks tweeted us. What if Rutherford knew this team sucked and was uh, all goaltending? Saw he couldn't make any trades until the cap goes up, so he saved money by keeping those co- those coaches and is going to ship everyone out this summer. Yeah, if, if you have no move. Do you play no move? To some extent, you let it go. And I remember having a conversation with somebody. It's like be- Usher, you let it burn. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with somebody before the season. That's <laughs> Just let it burn. <laughs> Lena's shaking her head at me. Uh, I had a discussion with somebody before the season. Um, and essentially what, what the person with the team was, was telling me was, and it, they were giving like, hey, you know, we, 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 maybe we play decent and we do well. But it, something came up about like, hey, if we're bad, we get a high pick, and we could do some other things you want to do. So, and at the, at that time, it didn't click with me. It didn't sure. click. It didn't click to me like, oh, like they're viewing this as either free or, roll. and like free roll, right? Like or like they're completely okay with it going pear shaped. And I think they were because I think it does allow them to do other things. The only thing about it, which I wonder, because somebody else texted it and said, I understand you got to wait on Myers and Pearson, but what's the holdup on Garland and Besser? Well, Garland and Besser have played so poorly that their value at the moment is probably at an all-time low. Is that something you missed out on? You know, because you're like, hey, we'll see what happens, but now your patience, at least on those two guys, has diminished their standing in the mm-hmm. market? Could that change by this offseason? Potentially. But you're just stuck in a position now where no team is offering you anything tangible for Besser or Garland, and if they are, they want you to eat some money or take something back. And Vancouver shouldn't be looking to do that. So if you want cap space and you want people, to, this team to maximize its assets, trading away Brock Besser and retaining some salary just to get $5 million off the books, does that make sense? Because here, here's the way you break it down. You, if you, even if you're interested in Brock Besser, right? Obviously there's the contract issue, a couple more years left. But if, you, if, if you're saying, okay, I need a goal-scoring winger in his mid-20s, let's go check in with Vancouver. Let's find out what the price yeah. is. Okay, this is the price. You know what I'm doing before I execute any trade? I'm calling San Jose, and I'm saying, hey, you, you, you guys have this team of Meyer. I know it's a big contract, but what are you guys doing with it? I'm shopping around before I make a decision around, I need a goal-scoring winger. The only one that's available is Brock Besser. No, it's not. Like, what's Sam Reinhardt's situation in Florida? And he's playing better, at least. Go across the league yeah. and start looking at players and start saying, how do I compare what Besser's price is to this guy's talent? Yeah. Is it is, is am I willing to pay more of a price for a better talent? That's the job. It's not just oh get rid of Rock Besser because because we're done with them. Yeah. It's how other view other teams view the asset landscape for the position that you're trying to sell. Yeah, no. and, and there's other more desirable assets across the league, and especially for rentals. Even you pay less. I mean, players who have value are players who are barely making money right now. That's why Luke Shen has value. That's why even a guy like Kyle Burrows would he have something? I, mean, I don't know, but guys making under a million, those are the guys you can move around. Like it's hard to move money right now. Uh, people texting and saying uh, like Raymond and others saying, but then why sign JT Miller if they looked at this as a free roll? That's it's a fair totally question, valid. but but. The thing I will say is, and go back to what they're mentioning as well, that they, even Rutherford himself said, like, this year, hey, maybe this isn't the year we want to make the playoffs, but this isn't the year. Like, it's about the next couple of years to build towards being good. If you're looking at it and saying this is a two- to three-year process, 
that means you're not getting rid of everybody. So you're identifying a handful of guys you want to hold on to. Obviously, Pedersen was one. Hughes is still here. Demko, of course. Horvat, it was to be determined, but obviously we'll see where that trends. JT's one guy they signed. And that's not to say they should have or like, hey, you know, maybe you didn't make a mistake. But the point being, if you're looking at this as saying we have a two- to three-year plan, you're not getting rid of everybody. A full-on rebuild is let's get rid of everybody. If, the, if, if what I said was meant to be, hey, if this year goes bad, we're just hitting the reset button, that's not the point. The, the point was we understand this might take a year or two to get where we want to get to. We're not going to do a full-on rebuild, but there is some pain we might have to accept for a year before we get there. Right, And if that's what you're looking to do, then in a world, there is a world in your logic where you want to hold on to a few of these guys. So in two years' time, you have these guys here to go with. Is that ultimately the right decision they made? We're going to find out. And right now, uh, people are pointing and saying, I told you the JT Miller contract's Mm -hmm. bad. And right now, those people are looking more right. You know, We'll see how it all unfolds over the next little while. But that's the logic. Like That logic can't be consistent, even if you don't agree with that philosophy or, or agree with taking that tack. Is it easier to find a point-of-game player? I, I, I guess this is what it comes down to. Is it easier to find a point-of-game player, a point-of-game forward? Because you, you can put them on the wing, and you, you need center depth no matter what. When it's go time, is it easier to find a point-of-game forward, or is it easier to find your second-line center? Yeah. And especially, more importantly... It's it's not just oh Bohorvat is this and and it's this. It's is it easier to find the second line center that plays your style? Depends on what you want to play. Like there's certain because things you they go want. through it. Yeah, I think they want defensive playmaking centers, and that happens to just fit how I view the position as well. You want guys who facilitate play. Yeah, obviously if they can score goals, that's fantastic. But if you can't handle the defensive side of the responsibility of of this game consistently at a strong level, especially when you're playing the second line, well, then I I lose a lot of trust. And that, more than Mm -hmm. anything, is why our conversations about Bo has been a bit more critical because playmaking and defensively. And that's a shortcoming. And this team is lacking that down the middle. And, And you go through the Pittsburgh centers. Yeah. They were defensive. And they they made plays for their teammates. Both got nine assists on the season. Some of them have come by way of luck. One of them is by off of a face-off, which mm-hmm. he wins face-offs. That's great. But how often are we noticing him facilitating play? Actually, yeah. in the first period, I would say it was one of his best periods well, passing the puck. Well, it was but, actually good. And also, like defensively, the only, only goal the Canucks scored tonight, the Mikheyev goal... He disrupts the yes. play enough to knock the puck off the yep. player's stick, and then Quinn Hughes does a quick up to uh, Mikheyev. And for tonight, a lot of credit. Yeah. But, but that sort of stuff is few and far between. And you go through it, it's like it's Jeff Carter. It's Malkin. It's Crosby. It's Teddy Bluger in Pittsburgh, who's tremendous defensively. That's that's the profile of centers that they've targeted. And if Bo Horvath doesn't fit that, but you look at a 99-point player or a point-a-game player, and you say, hey, w- when it's go time, and what if we win the lottery? Or what if we have some draft success here, and this gets built up faster? We're going to want a, a point-of-game player on our wing or, or on our roster. Yeah. And I think that's the calculus here. That's what it looks like, and we'll see ultimately how this all uh, trends out. This person uh, says, why are you guys making excuses for management? Yes, get rid of Besser for anything. Cap space next season is worth more than winning a trade now. And, I, and again, the reports have been, and this is not making excuses, but the reports have been the Canucks, and Friedman talked about this, the Canucks 
on Besser are being asked to take back money. And not just a contract, like retain salary. Do you want the Canucks to retain salary? And and that's what I'm saying. That's my my point is that's a reality. That's just a reality. It's just a reality. And the point being is like I think you have to make these trades, but I can wait to the offseason for you to make them then. If that's a better way for you to get it done, but you got to find a way to find some answers here. Uh, a lot of reaction on text inbox six fifty six fifty. Uh, you guys don't get it. Who cares if Miller is point per game forward? He's bad defensively and has a poor attitude on the ice. Uh, why would you want JT leading the team? Yada, yada. A lot of those texts are obviously coming in. Um, they thought Miller was a center. He was always he always sucked at 4F3. Just dumped this front office. They were too arrogant to change. So, I mean, the all the criticism is there consistently for JT Miller. It, it's always here on our post-game show on the text inbox. We get it on the phone boards as well. We've talked about it a lot as well. All right. Uh, we'll get, get to more of your reaction here coming up, and we'll hear from, from some Canucks players and more of you coming up here on the phone boards. And I think we have time to get one more phone call in here right now. Uh, let's go to Tambir in Surrey. Tambir, thanks for being patient, man. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, you know, guys, I was at the game today, and um... – Another 5-1 loss. I, I saw it coming. I saw it coming. I uh, I was actually going to throw some money down on it, but I was just like, you know what? It's, it's not a big deal. Um, you know, just like as a fan, you know, I, I want to see wins, but it's, I'm gotten at, at a point now, I don't even care what happens, but I will say that watching these guys play on the ice is just embarrassing. They don't care about the history of the Vancouver Canucks. These players don't care. They're, they're just cashing checks to play hockey. They're not cashing checks to win hockey games. They're cashing checks to play hockey because hockey's fun. Hockey's great. I love playing hockey too. It's one of the best sports to play in the world. And these guys are just playing hockey. They don't care about winning games. They don't care about... They don't even know who Kevin Bieksa is. You know what I miss? I miss the scene cycling the puck. I miss when uh, teams came into the building. They were scared to get punched in the mouth by Kevin Bieksa. I miss when Kessler and Burroughs were frustrating teams and, you know, just all over the ice with their grit. I miss that. I miss watching winning hockey. And at the end of the day, when fans are chanting to sell the team, how does ownership not realize that the fans are fed up? They're fed up. And the players on the ice, they don't care. They don't care about the history of the Vancouver Canucks like the fans do and you guys do. And, you know, maybe, maybe uh, Curtis Lazar and Kyle Burroughs, who started a fight at the end of the game, care about the history of the Vancouver Canucks as they grew up here. But I bet you a lot of these players don't care. And I'm going to call out Quinn Hughes. I'm going to call out JT Miller. I'm going to call out Bo Horvat. You know, at the end of the day, these guys need to realize that that, that sweater – the, the crest and the front of the sweater matters more than the name on the back. So show up at home. You want six straight on the road and you can't show up at home? I don't even care if you win any hockey games anymore. I was there because I wanted to see my bet hit. I wanted to see my bet hit. I had JT Miller over a point. I had Jordan Cairo who got a hat trick over a point. At the end of the day, I was watching for my bet. I wasn't watching for the Canucks. Hey Tambir. Hey, hey, Tambir, thanks for the phone call. Good run there. A lot of passion fired up Tambir tonight uh, after the Canucks lose 5-1. And I mean, that, that sentiment of being fed up, and we see people texting in and saying they're apathetic. There are a lot of people that are also passionate. Yet you hear it in Tambir's voice. You hear it. You can, you can read it in the tone people texting in. And, you know, Tambir, 
he calls out ownership, calls out pretty much everybody, calls out all the players on this team. And like we've been saying, Big, the only Canuck player this year, the only individual with the Canucks that you can look at and say, okay, this guy doesn't deserve criticism, and he hasn't played the last two games. Number 40, Elias Patterson. Like, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I can throw Mikheyev into that, too, and Kuzmenko. You can throw them in if you want. And Luke Shen. Like, there are guys you can kind of throw in here. But, I mean, the list isn't very long. No, it's tiny. Uh, 650-650. James and Qualcomm Beach. Here's what I don't like. Watching a team that doesn't compete consistently. That means I don't know who is going to show up any given night, which means I don't buy a ticket for me and my kids. And, and those two words, the two C words there, those are the two things I was worried about coming into the season. What's your compete level like, and how consistently can you do it? Mm-hmm. We are getting spotty versions yeah. of both of those things. It's been consistently poor, lackluster. That, that's that been what the compete level has been like. Uh, all right, we'll get back to more of your reaction coming up in the text inbox, 650-650. We'll take uh, more of your reaction as the show goes on here, and we'll hear from Canucks players after another lackluster performance on home ice, 5-1 against the St. Louis Blues. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central Post Game Show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Cairo, side of the goal, Tarasenko, back to Cairo in the slot. He scores. Jordan Cairo has his second of the night and 15th of the season as the Blues get an early third-period power play goal to take a 4-1 lead. These guys need to realize that that, that sweater, the, the crest and the front of the sweater matters more than the name on the back. So show up at home. You won six straight on the road and you can't show up at home? I don't even care if you win any hockey games anymore. I was there because I wanted to see my bet hit. I wanted to see my bet hit. I had JT Miller over a point. I had Jordan Cairo, who got a hat-trick, over a point. At the end of the day, I was watching for my bet. I wasn't watching for the Canucks. People fired up on the post-game show tonight. Tambier calling in and a lot of reaction on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650 here on the Canucks Central post-game show. Them losing 5-1 against St. Louis Blues here on Sportsnet 650, the game you heard called by Batch and Randeep. Details says Tambier is owed six times six for that passion. Best phone call of the year. Love this caller. Best call of the night, as somebody else said. Uh, what Tambier said, Peter, uh, somebody says, this guy's nuts. So not everybody agreed, but of course, a lot of reaction to Tambier calling in, fired up on the postgame show. And, you know, it, it did resonate with how a lot of fans are feeling tonight. Uh, absolutely. Uh, some more reaction coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Paul on Sunshine Coast says, you know, Sat, there's a lot of belief Rutherford and Alvin ruined this team with their public berating of the team. Can you imagine if your boss went on air and ran you and your colleagues into the ground? To be fair, we run each other into the ground pretty <laughs> all the time. Dan Riccio shows up to work every single day, and we make short jokes we every do. single day. Every time I see Bick, I call him a coward. <laughs> That's how I say hi to him. So you know, <laughs> He's not even joking. I'm not. <laughs> Every single day. Hey, I, I say it in an like, yeah. You know, I say it, it, it in it's, it's, it's become a term of endearment around the office. It totally is a, t- a term but, of endearment. <laughs> Coward. Oh, honestly. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's so what, you can't take the heat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, do you think what they say publicly is worse than battling with Ryan O'Reilly in the corner? <laughs> well, and if, and if that's the case, like, if you're more offended by what people are saying about you. Than what your performance is. I mean, that's a problem. You know, like, are you that happy with how you're playing that you're going to be upset about it? 
especially when you're losing. It's not as if you've gone to multiple conference finals and they came in here like, you guys aren't good enough, and they tore down something that had already had a record of success. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the, the two-month stretch during the regular season in the past five years you've looked at and said, that's what this team's got to be all the time? We don't really have that, There's, which is why we talked about with the, the proof of concept that you can give the St. Louis Blues the benefit of doubt, but you can't extend it to Vancouver. The pre-pandemic January to March, is that the stretch? That's like, oh, that's what I want this team to look like all the time. Yeah. What is it? What is the stretch that you're you pointing towards? So even if you are irked by the public commentary by the executives they've talked about raising the standards and changing the culture you can't deal with that cool then they don't want you well, well that's fine that's well and if in you know if rutherford is stoking these guys a bit to see how they react stress testing them how you react should inform what you want to do with these players right and we'll see if they if they do make those changes people are waiting for. Uh, 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 Tambier pulled a Dwayne, is what this text said. Dwayne from Buffalo. Remember the call? That's right. The infamous yeah. call. Dwayne from Buffalo. All right, let's continue on the phone boards here. Uh, let's go to Ron and Surrey. Ron, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hi, hi guys. Hi, guys. It's nice to talk to you again. I've, I've previously talked during the, during the last game against the Winnipeg Jets, but I just want to elaborate on this. It's just... It's just really sad to see the Canucks be like this, you know. Like I, re- I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't point, point figures, but I and I really don't think like it's despite what other people say. I really don't think it's on the coach. It's not on the coach either. Like I think it's more the ownership and Pat more on the ownership and Patrick Alvin's comments about he made the Penguins contenders were more observations. It's like he's like dancing around a subject that about having an actually plan, like about how they said they had to prep for 82 games rather than say how they really concerned me. And I think it really, it just really concerned me. And I know Alvin says that we're tremendous fans. And honestly, I'd be all in if they're all in, if they're going to willing to take the risk, if they, if, if, uh, if they're, if they're willing to make sacrifices to be better, I'm all in. I just wish, but I think more on that, but I think more of this, more of this, the, the problems are are rooted to the ownership, in my opinion. And I feel like they haven't been clear and honest. And they should be clear and honest and willing to follow through if they're willing to be specific about direction. Like, we've seen this, like, Gillis got fired because he wanted to rebuild. Lyndon, Lyndon also left for, 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 in a way, kind of the same reason. I think it would be great if the ownership, especially Aquilini, and I know other people talked about this earlier, if they held a town hall town hall or conference about any questions and any feedback that that we the fans might have and i think we'd be so supportive about anything to do as long as it's a benefit the team i really wish like aquilini would would just like like show how strong his team is his like front office is like like i i feel like he's just doing this he's like having alvin and rutherford heading it just to just to save face and to look like see i don't meddle but it's very clear that he does Metal, he has meddled and will continue to meddle in the past if this keeps it up. I really, I just want to make the team better, and I feel like, and and again, the Blues game is today tonight was an example of that. Yeah, hey uh, Ron, thanks for the phone call. Good thoughts, and and as always, you're always welcome to call in. And we know that 
all along, and we, we saw that over the trend, we talked about this before, you saw the Linden thing before, we, we've seen change happen, and we've seen how maybe a front office comes in initially, has a lot of autonomy, and then as time goes on, that changes. We saw what happened when Linden left, for instance. As we sit here and speak today, the major hockey decisions from everything that I've gathered comes from management. Like Rutherford didn't take this job from everything I've been told, and I was told this pretty forcefully. Rutherford didn't take this job and leave Pittsburgh's situation to be told what to do. Like that's not what he's interested in. Does that mean that there isn't alignment on the team's vision? I'm not saying that. And very well, you hire somebody who is aligned with what you want, and that's a quick, quicker rebuild instead of a full rebuild. And you can certainly say the mandate coming in was something that ownership sees align- alignment with Rutherford, and that's tacitly as you know, Rutherford doing similar things as they kind of agreed on to some degree. But the actual hockey decisions, like the JT Miller signing, from everything I gather, was a straight Rutherford management decision. Like Alvin man- man- management made that decision. Like that, that's their call. Is that going to continue on into perpetuity? History's shown that, that that doesn't. You see regimes change. You see, you know, the trust get broken, and when those things happen, that autonomy does go down. That's also not exclusive to Vancouver. No, like, no. like that's what happens just in general. One hundred percent. But as far as history here, yes. right, and that's kind of what we've seen. We, I don't believe we're at that stage now. You know, they haven't done anything. Like, well, the the like, JT Miller signing, and that's again, what's so puzzling. And, and people are saying the JT Miller signing is something that's not a management decision. And hey. Like, I, I understand it, but that's everything I've been told on on that decision. Now, on holding a town hall, hey, I'm all for accountability, man. Like, one thing I will say about Alvina Rutherford, like, they're always available to talk. They're always talking. What do we keep saying the previous regime? Why is Benning not around? He's not a great talker, but why is he not around? Why is Travis Green always answering questions? Usually don't see owners take that type of Q&A. I mean, but they hire people to take the to do those. Sort of, usually, that's what it is. They hire people to do so. Now, because you're more public facing at times, you're on social media. There becomes an expectation that, hey, should you be speaking on this? But again, I think with the, with how fans feel, they have every right to ask any question they want, especially when they're supporting a hockey team by their time and their money. And it's fair for them to ask any sort of question they want to ask about where where the direction is heading and wanting wanting to get some clarity about where this is really going. I just, like, a, a press conference is going to solve you? Uh, but you know what it is, Bic? It comes back to... You can lie at a press conference. Yeah, man. no. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, I even said this to, to Don Taylor today. We were talking about this on Canuck Central. If you missed it, you can go back and listen on the podcast. But one of the points I made to him was, it doesn't matter what these guys say. No. Because the action is what people want. Rutherford came out and used the word rebuild in hockey and after hours, remember? And then he was critical of the structure. But what was the overall reaction to Rutherford? And then he came on on our show, criticized everybody. What was the reaction, though? It was, how dare he say what he said about Boudreaux? How dare he say what he said? Isn't he part of the problem? Why is he talking? Why is he saying all these bad things about this team? Like, what, who's, who's benefiting from this? Alvin comes on, says nothing, yes, last night. And, and yeah, I get it. Like, he, he's not a great orator. It didn't instill confidence with how he got his message across. But he said nothing, and people roasted him for saying nothing. It doesn't matter what these guys say right now. What people want is action. And until you see action, I don't think anything's going to change. So I'm with you. They can hold a town hall. They come out and say everything they want to say. Until you see the actions, it doesn't matter. And I don't think people are going to be convinced, Vic. And, and until we see the moves, 
we can we can talk to her blue in the face. They can speak to her the blue in the face. Anyone can come out and, and present their plan. But do you buy it until they do something? And I wish I could fast forward the calendar for you. Yeah. I, I really wish I could fast forward the calendar to March 3rd and we have an idea of what the trades look like on that day or even preceding it. But there is just a gap in time that you had a stomach. And if you got to become a nihilist and say, hey, the results aren't going to impact me, I just want to see the moves. If, if moves are more important than results for you right now, then check in on the results, basically. Yeah. Or check in on the transaction. And we've detailed how tough it is and, and the slippery slope if you want to execute trades right now. Are you maximizing value? Do you have to do these things right now, or do you want to do these things right now? Because mm-hmm. those are two different things, right? You you want to make trades. Yes. But some of them, do you have to do them? Yes. Again, for my own mental well-being, for my own well-being. Make a trade. No, no, no just, <laughs> I'm just saying for myself, okay? Yeah. I have to, Sad. Sleep, eat, and breathe. I, for my own well-being, I want to take more vacation. Time. Yes. Yeah. Okay? That's the same thing. They have to build this out, and they're going to have to tr- make a decision on Bo Horvat. Yes. Before March 3rd. They probably want to make decisions on Besser, Garland, Myers, because that's going to come down the line at some point. The only one that they'll push to right now is Bo Horvat. Luke Shen, too. Those are the only have-to moves that they have to consider for these next nine weeks. Yeah. No, that's right. Like th- those are, the, and they have to do something by the time you get to next year. Like they have to. You can't be coming back again. You know. And I can buy. It's tough right now, but eventually you got to find your answers. And, and again, like I mentioned, I mean, people were texting this in. Then why did they bring Besser back? Why did they sign these guys? What do you do with it now? There is a possibility that you missed the window. On being able to move those guys for value. And, and could that reappear again? Yeah. But, I mean, you can be critical of that and say, hey, if you didn't believe in these guys to begin with, and we said, hey, if you can't get the value, bring Besser back, so you don't want to be a hypocrite about it. But it's fair to say that that could have been the wrong decision, even if it was well-intended. Because has that asset depreciated so much that you can't even get what you were looking for this offseason? And I think that's a fair criticism and a fair question to ask. And I don't know if that's one that can be answered right now. Uh, let's go back to the phone boards and let's get one or two more calls in here before before we get out and get to some more um, player reaction. And we are going to get to Ian McIntyre the last segment as well. Um, let's go to Maple. Let's go to Langley where Jordan is on the line. Jordan, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Jordan. All right, we just dropped Jordan. So let's go to Gary in Maple Ridge. Gary, what's going on? Hi. Hi, guys. Um I'm not going to really switch gears here, but I am going to say this. If you've been watching, if you watched the games between uh, uh, Detroit and other teams last year, Detroit was losing at times at home terribly. Like, I'm not 5-1, but let's try 12-3, to 11-2, 10-1. They were giving up goals like in bushels. Now, I think the management... And I completely agree with you guys in this case. I think the management, they don't, we don't want to make trades just to make them because that's not going to solve anything. You don't want another Cam Neely problem. What you want to do is stay with the, stay with the, with what you're doing. So we, so we lost 5-1. Get a grip, guys. We're not going to make trades just to make sure that we make trades. 
what we're going to do is we're going to wait it out, and hopefully something good will come out of it. And by the way, I haven't been to a hockey game in a long time. I've talked to my girlfriend about going to a hockey game. I'd like to. I'd rather go to the casino right now. It's cheaper, but the <laughs> bottom line is this. We did. We don't lose ten to one. We lose five to one. So wait it out, and something good will come out of it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, that, that is Gary in Maple Ridge calling in, and uh, yeah, I mean, hey, you can make your decisions on how you spend your your income, and you know, your team start doesn't start winning or start having success, or at least being able to sell a plan. Well, we'll see how that starts trending. Uh, let's take one more phone call here, and let's go to Lions Bay, where our friend Jose is on the line. Jose, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys, you know, once again, just watching another disappointing game and, mm-hmm. you know, just asking myself, reflecting back, like, man, what happened? You know, when I look back at, at last year, you know, the team had a pretty good run of the second half of the season. Everyone was fairly optimistic. And here we are, and uh, the team's going in the wrong direction. And, you know, I think a few things that have really bothered me, watching Patrick Alvin on Hockey Night in Canada, really not answering any questions and providing an, uh, an answer for the team's plan really bothers me. But I also just think about all the distractions, guys. The Canucks are, like, front and center, like with Elliot Friedman and uh, Jeff Merrick. They, they, there's always talk about... Horvat being treated or being re-signed. There's talk about the you know the criticism towards Boudreau by by Rutherford. Um, you know Besser being asked uh, with his agent to go find uh, you know new teams uh, to to, for, to facilitate a trade. There's so many distractions. Like, I mean, what do you expect from this team with all of that? How can you expect them to go on a run right now? Let alone the fact that there's goaltending issues as well. Uh, guys, Spencer Martin, second game in a row. I honestly was hoping Archer Silov could have come in to this game because honestly, from what I've seen also with Abbotsford, I think he's the better goalie than uh, than Colin Delia. So anyways, guys, it's the distractions also. You can't expect this team to go on a run with you know, it being front and center with the media and the national media as well. Over to you guys. Hey, Jose, uh, thanks for the phone call. That's Jose calling in. And, again, uh, it comes back to the same thing. They're just not buying into the plan. Fans or players? Well, I mean, fans. I mean, the players, I mean, I think that goes without. I mean, what are they buying into? What are they playing like they're buying into? Honestly. And, you know, and it's like I've 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 ripped these guys so much this year, mm-hmm. and it's easy. Like I right now, I wanted to just say it's easy to just take more of the low hanging fruit and just criticize them more and just rip into it more. But it's like, like you are what you are, mm-hmm. and it's not good. And the fact that these guys can't get out of what they are, I think it speaks volumes about like how few of these guys really you should be looking to bet on long term. And even on the idea of distractions. The, the problem being, oh, they should have committed to them or they should have traded them in the summer. Yeah, man, like, distractions happen. You still got to do your job. That's, n- no matter which way you cut it, you still got to go do your job. And are there distractions? Sure there are. That doesn't dis- dissolve the criticism of another performance like this tonight. 
which has happened on multiple occasions, and we're 31 games into the season. Mm-hmm. And this is the 15th home game that we've seen. And how many honest efforts at home have you seen for fans this evening? Not, not enough of them. Four? Maybe. A handful? Like, we're talking about a handful. Now, look, they've gotten some wins, and, and some of them were 7-6, and they, they, they light up the scoreboard. But that wasn't really a good effort. No. Because you had to completely deplete the, the energy tanks to come back from 4 nothing down, and there were boos that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's been boos. We've seen jerseys on the ice in three games. We've heard chants, all sorts of chants. Heard them again tonight. I mean, it's, the first game of the season, Bick, was a toxic environment here. It was the first home game of the season, and there were numerous jerseys being thrown on the ice. People were, were booing, booing the sing-along. Ball, booing the sing-along. I mean, it really was a nasty night, and it, it, was on, it came on the heels of them losing the first five games of the season on the road and having all the blown leads. And there was the angst built up before they even played that game, of course. But it kind of shows you, like, where it's at. But guess what? They've lost three of the last four now. Mm-hmm. And this is bad, like, in front of your own home, home fans. You know, last year, Bick, even though this team played poorly, the fans here wanted to buy into something. Like, Especially Even now through 31 yeah, games, the fans want to buy do. into they something. Want, they, they want to have fun at the game. I'll, they I'll want to cheer. The fans they of, want to. Of how they showed up. They have. Yep. Like, but you can tell the angst. Like last year, it was even with all the bad, and they started winning. But it was still like, hey, you know, like we're going to support the guys because they're winning. Let's have fun at the rink here. And, you know, fire bending chance happened. Eventually he got fired. But outside of that, it was a really good environment. Like that's all gone. gone. All that goodwill is kind of gone. And – the vibes, the fun isn't quite happening. And as soon as things go bad, the resentment's starting to creep out. And you saw it again here tonight. And, you know, I'd say it took a while for that to happen, considering how poor the Canucks were this evening yet again. But I, I actually feel that fans here have done way more than the players have deserved in terms of, like, energy at the rink the past mm-hmm. year and a half. And the players have not paid that back, and it did not do that tonight in a 5-1 loss against the Blues. We're going to play back some audio from Canucks players Luke Shen and Bull Horvat, and we'll hear from Ian McIntyre and Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The Canucks Central Post Game Show, bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC, only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Blues have won three in a row, but for the most part, have struggled of late. Only two regulation wins in their last 13 games. Now here's McKayat, left wing into the blue zone with a burst of speed to the goal to the back end. He scores. What a rush from Ilya Mikheyev, and the Canucks get on the board to tie the game. It's 1-1 on his 10th goal of the season. That's as close as the Canucks got. 1-1, even it up with the Blues. The Blues, however, went on to score four unanswered goals, winning 5-1 here at Rogers Arena against the Canucks. A scoreline that is all too familiar for fans here at Rogers Arena. The fifth time this season already, that scoreline has gone against the Canucks on home ice. It's Sat and Bick on Sportsnet 650. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And with that chuckle, Bick, I'll turn it over to you. What what is the text inbox saying? (laughs) You're having an exchange with someone that was uh, 
They were concerned if if you had enough uh, snacks and food at the rink. Yeah, Colin and Caribou always uh, is always concerned <laughs> about me having enough food. And, and and if you're a regular listener of the Canuck Central, you know that yeah. I'm always thinking about food. I always have food. Like I'm always prepared for with food. I I, yeah. I can show up somewhere either having food with me. Sat just randomly has like wraps in his pocket. I don't understand. <laughs> He'll just like open his jacket and there's be like. Ooh, chicken Caesar wrap. Where did like? Why are you just carrying that? Most people have their wallet in their pockets. Listen, some places you can't go and get food whenever you want. So those are the places you bring food with you. This is not one of those concessions. No, I know, but it, okay, okay. It's not that easy to just step out and go. Number one, like if you go, it's, concessions have lines. We have stuff to do during intermission. It's not easy to get away oh, for five so to ten funny. minutes to, to be able to buy something so at the funny. rink and then not miss out a lot of the game and your preparation for the game. So it comes down to my ability to Time hunt down the food, right? But I always have a plan. I never show up without a plan. Anyways, I was just laughing at the the last text. At, at least someone comes prepared for every game. <laughs> yeah, man, always ready. And always when you go somewhere, plan your exit. That's also an important oh, lesson 100%. in life. Very I, I important dress lesson. for my exit. <laughs> yes. Yes, you should. Always prepare your exit. No matter where you go, have an exit. Uh, I want to read a couple of texts that came in earlier. Uh, this one. Uh, this game is exactly what Yannick Hansen was talking about. Playing for points. Not wins. Yet again, our hugest paid forwards are invisible. Where was Bo? He wants $9 million. I'll drive him to the airport. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I actually thought Bo was pretty good in the first 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, the goal doesn't happen if he doesn't back yeah. pressure for Mikheyev. Uh He was better tonight with no points than he was the yeah. other day with the goal. Why am I not ripping Bo tonight? I mean, like... I. I Hey, <laughs> we're fair. Like, mm-hmm. we say be better defensively, do good things defensively. You do, you get credit, you're not going to get ripped for it. Uh, we talked about OEL earlier, too, as well. Um, and mm. we talked about the idea of buying them out. Yeah. Dan texted in, uh, why would they buy out and have a cap hit for eight years? They could just retrain, retain salary and trade OEL and save the same cap and only have four years. Wouldn't teams want OEL at $3.5 million? Or has his value really fallen that much. So the issue here is not buyout versus retain. Like, yeah, you can, if you want to do the retain thing, you can do it. But think of the money that it costs here. Yeah. The going rate for first round picks to retain money is $6 million. $6 million. If you retain on $30 million remaining after the season, that's still coming out to about $15 million. So you got to make up that gap. If If one first round pick Cost six million dollars. How much is fifteen million costing you? Probably cost you at least three. So, would you rather buy him out and have a cap hit for eight years, and maybe my th- my your plan, uh, my, your my, suggestion. my own personal suggestion, yeah, would be take a bad one year contract for a first round pick. So, do you want to do that, or do you want to give up three first round picks now? And then the other, or part, the value of three first yeah, round picks, and that's part of it. And the other part of it is okay. Let's say there's somebody willing to take him on or retain half the salary. You're still taking something else back, or you're still giving something back to do that. And then the other big part of the equation, the biggest part of the equation, he completely pr- controls his own process. Yes. He has a no-move clause. And as you've talked about before. Doesn't want to go anywhere. And if you are not, if you don't want to go anywhere, and you have a no-move clause, he might just say, I'd rather get bought out. Buy me out then. You'll, you'll bank $20 million and then you can make up the next $10 million in however many years you want to keep playing. 
So, like, what's the incentive here for all of Rekman Larson if he doesn't want to move his no no move clause and no, doesn't want to waive his no move clause? So, you're kind of stuck. That that's why your only option here is hope that he plays better, and that you try to get more out of him, or you buy him out. Like th- those are really your only two options here with all of Rekman Larson. And given how expensive it is to buy him out, let's just say I'm skeptical. You know, this is very skeptical. Uh, Brandon Napoco, gee, how will, will Tambier react if the Canucks play poorly again in Seattle? About uh, Tambier's phone call a bit earlier. We got a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Tambier called in and got a lot, a lot of reaction on the phone boards and on the text inbox as well. We'll get back to more of your texts and more of your takes. But we mentioned, get some thoughts from Canucks players here after this loss tonight. And, you know, we've heard from the captain. And here is Bo Horvat again. This time, does he have any words for this lo- for this loss? Here he is. No, I mean, yeah, I'm running out of things to say here, guys. Um, obviously, another uh, poor effort by us tonight, and that's the result right there. The score was halfway through the game, and you guys tied, got the building going, but then once they got the 2-1 goal, it seemed to get away from you guys. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you know, that uh, the first half of the game, I, I didn't think we were playing too bad, and then obviously... Big goal by Mick to tie it, and then we all of a sudden we give one right back to him, kill our momentum again. So, I mean, yeah, it's just uh, things like that that have been going on too much, and um, you know that's stuff that we 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 can't let happen on a nightly, nightly basis. How about the power play tonight? You guys had your looks. But... Yeah, no, I mean we definitely had our looks, but at the same time, that's the difference in the hockey game, in my opinion, right there. We had a lot of chances to, uh, you know, to capitalize and and uh, make it a close game, and we just didn't get the job done. Oh, what, do you have to, what do you have to do in zone to defend a little better? Like, they had so many clean looks. It's the NHL. You give guys time, they're going to pick the corner. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I, I feel like we talk about this all the time. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just a matter of staying tight within our system and, and not letting them get inside on us or, or pass box inside of us, um, you know. And I just feel like we just we have way too many mental lapses and breakdowns that they're getting their great A's and they're capitalizing on them, and that's obviously what's killing us right now. How draining is this for the team for yeah. you? I mean, it's not fun. Um, you know, we play like a completely different team on the road, and like I said uh, earlier, I don't know if we're you know pushing too hard at home to you know not get booed out of our building every night, um, and I think it's just turning on us right now, and we're just kind of running around with our heads cut off a little bit too much. Um, and, you know, that's, again, the result tonight. Because you guys are feeling anxious? I mean, is that what you're wondering? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't have the, the right answers. But, I mean, obviously we, uh, we're we sick of letting our fans down or each other down, um, you know, uh, at home. It's, uh, it's not a good feeling. That is Canucks captain Bull Horvat about how bad the feeling is around the team and, and no words for these losses. Now, uh, when it comes to some stronger words that may have not been said, not as long as availability. We're going to get to Ian McIntyre here in a couple minutes. He's just about to join us. But before he does, we heard from Bull Horvat, but I did want, to, want you to hear from Luke Shen, Canucks defenseman. And if you want to say there's, uh, if you want to name. The number of players, you can't question their effort and their passion and what they brought. Luke Shen certainly fits that, and he's been very honest post-game. Here he is after another tough loss for the Canucks on home ice. Yeah, terrible. I mean, uh, I don't really know how else to describe it. Uh, like I was saying earlier, I mean, you know, when you play in your home rank, obviously, you know, you you're ex- you want to go out and try to win every game. I, I don't know if the expectation is to win every game, but at least you got to play the right way and compete for a full 60 minutes and 
we beat ourselves most of the time. So, I mean, uh, turn the puck over, um, you know, we don't defend near well enough, um, give up bad goals, we're, we don't do a good enough job on the, on the special teams. Where do you start? So you slam your stick there on the boards, I think, after the fifth goal. Was it just everything going through your head in that moment in terms of frustration and, and feelings? And... Yeah, I mean, we're giving up goals off the rush. We're turning the puck over in the ozone. You, you know, you get, you get possession on certain plays, and all of a sudden, you know, you got... 30, 40 goal scorers coming down at you on odd man rushes. So, I mean, it's all we do is defend. You don't you don't really get any sustained ozone time. And if we do, it's just perimeter. So, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of uh, everyone going to the hard areas. That's, that's why you don't win hockey games. That is Luke Shen after a Canucks loss 5-1 and talks about how they're, they're not engaged enough in the tough areas, not doing enough to win hockey games. And apparently also said if you're, he can't really say how he really feels about uh, how things are trending and kind of sums up where the Canucks find themselves right now in this season and also their home record. To talk about it more and delve into it, it's time to bring in our closer, the man we call the triple threat. You hear him on radio, you see him on TV, you read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. The highlight of my night right here. <laughs> there must be some kind of way out of here. Let's hope. <laughs> well, listen, I, before you ask me a question. Yes, Ian. I feel at a time like this, given my experience in the market, I just want to say something to the fan base. Okay, very oh, good. Amid and this crisis. Very good, so, very good. If anyone has made it across the Arthur Lang Bridge tonight, <laughs> can you text the show and tell me how you got there? Because, uh, yes. What's Something tougher, to getting home for you or the Canucks rebuild? Uh, what rebuild? Yeah, Are they rebuilding? That's fair. Not yeah. expecting a rebuild. So, yeah, we're getting gonna home tonight is going to be We're going to hear a lot more about that debate, I, I sense, in the coming days oh, and, it's, uh, and, and weeks. It's, they, it's, they need to build. That's what I think. Well, I, I'm just done trying to define it. I, like, I, I, yeah, I've sat exactly, here, exactly. I've Let's sat stop. here and said, "Hey, trade this guy, trade this guy." You can call it whatever you want. Yeah, I have my own version of what it's called. Yeah. Like, okay, define it for Yeah, me. we are we are way too hung up on semantics yeah. about yeah. exactly what does this mean and is this the blueprint or model or no? They're not doing it right. We all know they're not good enough. They need better players. Need more players. So do what you have to do to get better players. So let's do this exercise. Then um, and, and say yes or no, and like, say yes if you yes or no if they should trade them. Tanner yes. Pearson, yes, right? Oh, sorry, I didn't even. Wait. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to be funny. Yeah, that was good. Yes, I wasn't yeah. waiting for <laughs> the was name, great. but you got it out too fast. Right. I'm sorry, Tanner. Right, but but Tanner Pearson. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been trying to trade exactly. Uh, T- Tyler Myers, yes, yes. Uh, Brock Besser, yes. Connor Garland. If they can, yes. Yeah, so that's four guys, and then probably trading uh, I mean, Bo. But, but my point is, if you make those five trades, that's yeah. five significant. If you can, if you can move five guys out, which we're yeah. talking about here, five. That's significant. Now, maybe it's not a you know, scorched earth rebuild, but it's a significant one if you're moving out five big salaries. If you can, yeah. But they've been trying four of those guys. Yeah, they've been trying to move, and, and that's not, you know, startling for anybody that because of because of the contracts that they've. And in in Brock's mm-hmm. situation, you know, the, he doesn't want. I think he doesn't want to be 
a third line second yeah. power play guy who wants some opportunity uh so they've been trying uh off and on for a while uh, to move the contracts of of garland or besser and or pearson and or myers and and they haven't been able to do so and again i i point simply to the trade tracker that you can find <laughs> in almost any website including the NHLs and I think Sportsnet has one too. Yeah. There's there's been about eight deals. There's a couple of little ones this week. It was so exciting. Don't don't know the players involved, but anyways, the, you know there's been eight trades and the biggest names who have moved are Michael Ra- Delzato today. Ryan Rear Ryan Reeves and Ethan Bear. Sorry? Uh, Michael Delzato was moved today. Yes. Three team trade. And the biggest names are Ethan Bear and Ryan Reeves, who who changed teams for a fifth round pick, so this is yeah. this is the scale of change that we're seeing mm-hmm. at the moment on the fly in the NHL. So uh, I agree with you, Sat. If if they're able to move on from all those contracts, you know that would be a minor miracle. First of all, if they were able to accomplish that, um, and it would it would represent. Uh, significant change mm-hmm. uh, because you know Garland it, it's it's only year year two for him but these other guys have kind of yeah I think been a staple right so if they were able to do that yeah it causes I'm not sure seismic change but it causes significant change but I just you know they've been trying for a while I don't see them being able to move all those guys but they're yeah. gonna unfortunately they're in a they in a position now where they're gonna have to move bow unless there's um, a a last minute breakthrough mm-hmm. in negotiations and there's no no indication of one coming there and you know that's that in itself is going to be a huge trade trade in your cabinet as we talked on on TV tonight you know Bick Sat and I are on TV <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen that and Sat get, get gets paid for it too. So, uh, but as we talked about tonight, like the the last time anyone uh, of you know close to Bo's stature was traded from this team, it was probably Roberto Luongo, and yet he's a guy who wanted out, and that was a two year trade mission, and everyone had braced themselves for that possibility. Still a surprise when it came, yeah. oddly enough. But you probably have to go back to uh, the Keenan mm-hmm. s- season where he had all the launch codes and he, he traded everybody, yeah, uh, including you know Trevor Linden and and Kirk Kirk McLean and Martin Jelna and and others. You have to go back to that. That's how long it was since a guy as impactful and meaningful to the team as Bo Horvat has been traded in season. Mm-hmm. Go. You said something about Besser about, and you will be on TV wanting, one day. No, you've no. got a bright future, Bick. I'm telling you. <laughs> they only let the good-looking people on TV. Um, exactly. That's why. <laughs> I mean, and I, I'm on there, so wow. yeah, you just, I, I just the undermi- old double compliment. There undermined, undermined your argument. Um, <laughs> Sad, of course. Like, on yeah, on crazy. Besser, I got to sit next to Sat and Murph. Oh, it's a, although that, I will that, say, how does that make me look? I, I was going to wait till after the show to tell him. But he was definitely third in the suit ranking today. It was. It was. I'm not the one who takes who yeah. uh, who just makes those decisions. So I'm not the one you're dissing. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I feel like the the witch Sorry. the witch from the Wizard of Oz on the set of Baywatch. With, with these <laughs> well, Murph's like the like he looks like like in his prime uh, David David Hasselhoff. Just oh, totally. not yeah you know? totally. <laughs> 
And, all, and all the times he parades around without his shirt on, too. Oh, I know. Like, if At people a, only knew. If they only knew, especially in a hotel, just walks around with that. No, it's, it's not quite that obnoxious, but. <laughs> um, okay, you said something about Besser. I about, did. hey, wanting more opportunity. And, yeah. And this isn't even so much about Brock Besser. It's about everyone. Because there's right. guys, like Connor Garland got an opportunity today on the first power play, got pulled off after the first period. I understand people wanting more opportunity. It feels like people want more opportunity because other people fail. I don't see the drive of anyone to try to earn that opportunity. Like, they're being handed opportunities because Connor Garland fails. And so now I'm on the first power play. Who's earning it? Who's earning the, the, the prime opportunities? Uh, I understand what you're saying. I do think some guys are driving and trying to earn more. I think Ilya Mikheyev mm-hmm. deserves more for the way he's played. I think. You know, at the bottom of the lineup, uh, guys like Kyle Burrows has tried to earn more and at times yeah. has, but now he's struggling like most of the others are on that on that defense. Spencer Martin, I think, you know, earned uh, his extra starts. But a lot uh, of those players on. we don't have questions about and concerns about, like where they are in their careers. It's you're you're in smaller roles, yeah. And some of them you get you get and, elevated because of injury. And listen, I would I would say uh, Elias Pettersson at the top of the lineup has mm-hmm. earned more. Mm-hmm. You know, he's forced his way into every facet of the game because he's been that good and that and that determined. But I I do understand what you're saying. Where's where's the drive? Where's the the urgency? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a, a, another thing that I've talked about on radio and TV is the thing Ethan Bear told me after last game about, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we need to stop having fun. And, and I've been trying, I, I really should just talk to Ethan and find out more about what he meant. I interpret it as it, it's a tight knit group. They like each other. Yeah. The guys have been here. Uh, most of them now, you know, two, three, four years together and they genuinely like playing with each other. They're happy to practice together. They're happy at the rink. I think what Ethan meant was, you know, it's a really positive atmosphere for a team that is just awful on home ice and is mm-hmm. below 500 and is well out of a playoff spot. And I th- I think that you can loop all of that back to this discussion of of culture and and I think it I think it pertains to what you're alluding to. Where's where's this drive and guys just you know, doing everything they can to to get more to mm-hmm. to earn their earn their opportunity. Well, and and I think that's been part of the my biggest disappointment watching this team this season, because outside of Pedersen, who didn't play tonight, Luke Shen, who's I mean, what else can you say about about it? But there's what a hand, not even a handful of guys, and when when they're not as engaged, how many of these guys do, can you really build with and win with? You know, like even if you could bring a bunch of them back, like how many of them do you really want to bring yeah. back when you watch them this year? And I think that's been the biggest indictment. Like I've been disappointed with with how few individuals this year have shown that they can be part of the solution. Yeah, I mean, thinking about it a little more, there's there's other guys though. I mean, mm-hmm. who thought Neil Zaman would do what he's doing? Dakota Joshua is a yeah. guy who's kind of forced them to give them a little more mm. opportunity at times whether it's power play or higher up the lineup so the, so there are guys but you know in the end it's it's your best players yeah. and this is it's why everybody always says yeah. this right it, it's yeah. your best players that are going to determine what you know how you do and in saying that it, it sounds like we're just saying well this is this is all the fault of Quinn Hughes and 
and Bo Horvat, and it's not. I mean, nothing, nothing is that simple. Mm-hmm. But it's your top players who have the ability to pull a team out of something yeah. and to push it forward. And you know, the, in that respect, that's what we haven't seen this this season. They can't mm-hmm. go more than three games without some step backward. I don't know. You know, I, we we're just talking over in the press box with the the few guys who are still lingering at the hour that I'm working uh, in print in radio. Yeah. You guys just go all night. Yeah, yeah, we just we 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 just don't we don't but, clock out. Boy, do we ever! But we, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we were talking about. Um, I don't know what we're talking about now. I, I'm trying to, trying to. Or just like how many guys I, we're I talking know, about press row. I, I just like I don't know exactly what Ethan Bear meant. I really don't know what Bick meant <laughs> by that, by his last comment. So he's he's he stumped me. He stopped me in my tracks. I can't remember what I was going to say about guys talking. You guys were talking on press row. Is is, is the thought? I know, but what oh. what was the discussion that led me to wonder about what we're talking about on press row? Like how, how many of the players? Yeah. are going to be part of the solution right. here long-term. And, yeah, I mean, there are guys, of course. I mean, you can point to the Dakota Joshuas and, and guys below the lineup. And even Luke Shen, I mean, God bless him, but we're talking about not a core piece. No, you're, you know? but you're talking about a, on a team where clearly they have issues with their leadership, yeah. which is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who just seems to exude character and, and certainly one of the few guys been there, done that as far as winning a Stanley Cup. And he wants to play here for, you know, very little money, you know, by NHL standards. And he plays the way he does, where he hits hits people and fights mm-hmm. for teammates and tries to, to lead by example. That's not a guy that I would be looking to rent away for a mid-draft pick. You and I disagree on that, though, Seth. Yeah. I know you've got the, uh, you've I got got the... This, you got the fantasy going. Of the of the trade and resign. And resign. If if you can do that with him, that would be yeah. the ideal. And honestly, uh, I I did make fun of you a little bit when you suggested that tonight on TV, Bick. Yeah. All this stuff happens on oh, television. Yeah. yeah. All all the good stuff happens on TV. I, I can always but, see you guys, but I never get to hear you guys because he's on air. But, at the but if, I'm on the radio. If, <laughs> I know. I know. It's real, man. The radio, TV's yeah. not real. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Anyways, if any guy might actually do the trade and resign, it it, it yeah, would be Luke it, Shen. it really because, does feel it's the rare because even even mm-hmm. though he's only this is his second year here and he had a, a brief go around the first time, but you know that that's permanently stamped on on Luke Shen what yeah. this what this organization did, which is part of the reason he's back here. He's back here now, but he feels like a guy as. Alex Burroughs was, let's say, when he was traded, where Burroughs didn't want to be traded, and he, and he mm-hmm. could have just said, no, I'm not going, and the same with Yannick Hansen. But he knew for the good of the organization, this is what would what would help them. Yeah. And then, of course, Ottawa quickly signed him to a deal, so it was a moot point about whether he would come back. Luke Shen, I think, probably cares enough about the organization that he might accept that, that if this team yeah. is out as it appears on its way out of the playoff race and he has a chance to go somewhere and play for a couple of months, presumably for a team that could win a Stanley Cup or at least play for one. And at the same time, it helps the Canucks. And at the same time, it leaves open the option that they would welcome him back. 
uh, I could see that he would be one of the mm-hmm. rare guys who would who would actually do that. Yeah, so it, you so you may be onto well, something. Because well, usually I don't make that argument for players. Because even last year was like, oh, bring Mott back. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm like, yeah. Mott goes. They trade Mott. He's not coming back. Like I didn't see it with Shen. It seems like the rare one you could explore. And oh. if he's if you can do that, you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, and the the. the a difference with Mott is that he was making, I can't remember what it was, 1.8? 1. 1.1, yeah, 1.2, 1. 1.12, 1. 1. 1. or 1.2. Was it that little? Yeah, I, it was that little, was, yeah. But everybody knew that he would want a bump. That yes. He, that it was going to cost more yeah. if if you were going to keep him. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Luke Shannon's going to cost more. I no. think, I think he really wants to, to play here. Um you know, he told me he didn't come here on this two-year contract as a stepping stone to launch himself somewhere else and make more money. This is where he wants to play. Plus, he's made a ton already. Not to say, like, oh, he's well, yeah. banked a bunch, but like, he's had a very prominent career. And the, the, the range of contracts at, at this age uh, for demon like him, yeah, it's about two years yeah. at $1.5 million. I, I yeah. think a $3, three million deal for him over two years would be pretty fantastic. And that would be a, a big, big increase. increase. That's almost doubling yeah. his salary. What he's making now. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and you're right that he's he's not he's made a lot of money. He's rich by our standards. He's probably not rich by NHL mm-hmm. average standards for a player who's been around the league that long, although he's not poor either mm-hmm. because he was a very high draft pick and he had some good contracts, some lucrative contracts along the way. But to your point, he's at he has perspective. He's won two cups. He's at a position in his life where he can he can make a choice that doesn't have to be driven by money. It's far different from say a guy like Kyle Burroughs mm-hmm. or who has scuffled so long in in the minors on these two way deals to have a chance to play in the NHL. He's not in a position where he can just, you know, sacrifice money. He's got to still try to make it. Yeah. So so Shen is in a good position that way, but I, I still think just my experience over many years of covering the team, this idea of a guy leaving, accepting a trade at the deadline when he'd really prefer just to stay, and then there's no hard feelings, and at the end of the year he's going to come back, and, in, and part of the reason he's going to be able to come back is because nobody else is really going to want him. Mm. He's not going to be so impressed and and so satisfied with the new experience wherever you trade him to that there's no way he'll want to stay there. He'll just want to come back. These things you, you can't know at yeah. the time, and it just rarely works out that way. Yeah, we'll see if that ultimately is something that could happen. Man, we've spent a lot of time talking about Luke Shen. We did. Luke Shen, but you know what? And that's part of the issue this season. Luke Shen has become, in many ways, an indispensable part for this team. And that's something that it, it's a good thing because of what he's brought. But also, t- to your point, if you feel if we feel like Luke Shen's a guy, you may have to hold on to because your leadership's not good enough. It speaks to like if this team, if you can't lose Luke Shen, <laughs> boy, we we've re- we reached a pretty bad point. Well, and and you know, you you mentioned earlier about you know trying to trade Tyler Myers, which they for sure have yeah. have seen if there's any way to to move that contract. And right now it. That looks like a pretty daunting task. But let's say you you do do it in the summer. And let's say that Kyle Burroughs is playing elsewhere because he's a guy that you can probably trade at the deadline, you know, with what he's done uh, for this team as depth, like to get something rather than nothing at the end of the year. He could be gone. Uh, who knows what Tucker Pullman's future is. It, yeah. it looks like he could be Michael Furlan and just spend his yeah. contract on, you know, 
who exactly is going to play on the right side of defense next year for yeah. this team. Well, and not a lot of prospects coming. So, uh, ultimately, a big question they still have to solve. He's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. He's Bick Nazar. Is it midnight already? Yes. Uh, just announced right now. Uh, Patrick Alvin and uh, the Vancouver Canucks have assigned Niels Hoaglander to Abbotsford. Oh, huh? there we go. I Niels thought, Hoaglander. I thought there might have been a bigger, can you, a bigger <laughs> announcement. I thought I might be I, going back to the press box. Like we're doing something else. Oh. So Niels Hoaglander has been yeah. sent down. Yeah. He was the problem tonight. All right. Yeah. <laughs> he no, didn't he, play. He no, wasn't the problem, no. but, you know, get these guys playing. The, yeah. The problem, big picture, is they have so few prospects, and they need more guys to yeah. graduate from their system to the NHL. So I think it was – I was all for Pod Colson. Maybe that means Pod Colson's going to be coming Could back. Could be, yeah. But I'm all for, you know, if, if they're not doing anything here and you have the opportunity to play them a lot and you can move them back and forth without waivers, do it. Yeah. Do it. No, I, I'm with you on it, and especially with how things are trending at this point with this Vancouver Canucks team. Ian, great stuff as always. Appreciate your time. No traffic updates in the inbox, yeah. sorry. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm sad is, you know, we talked about how – well, how sharp he is! He's dressed like Marlon Brando. He oh right, yeah. On, <laughs> oh, on yeah. As soon as as soon as like, TV's done and I come back up here, yeah. I, I take the suit off or suit jacket off, and the I'm just relieved shirt. you still have trousers on to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> just just being casual. I just have the park on. That's Look all how I they massacred my rebuilds. <laughs> they ruined it. All right, that was a terrible guy. No, I can't. I can't even yeah. do impersonations, so I'll stop. Ian's latest is, is on. Is up on Sportsnet.ca. Bick, you can hear him on the People Show tomorrow, three to four. I'm Satyar Shaw, back at it with Dan Riccio on Canuck Central tomorrow. And special thanks to Lena here producing the show and Fast Eddie Gregory back at the station. And thank you all for listening and being part of the Canuck Central postgame show on the home of your Canuck, Sportsnet 650.